his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath, Arphad? Where are the gods of Seraphim and Hina and Iva? Have they delivered them in Samaria? Have you brought me hand? Who are they among you? Of all the gods of the country, I have delivered their country out of my hand. That the Lord should deliver you, Jerusalem, out of my hand. But the people held their peace, and answered him no word. For the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which over the household of Shebna, the scribe, and Jonah, the son of Hassan, and the recorder to Hezekiah, with a close rent, and told him the words of Rafshika. Amen, may God add, bless the reading of his word. We'll come to the focus for that three minutes. You know, I was preaching this morning, and I was lamentable. I was preaching on lamentations. <laughs> and lamentations, you know, is when he's doing books, you know, doom and gloom. As the word lamentation means, uh, in the Greek it means tears, to cry out. And in Hebrew it means hope. What a contrast, eh? And the reality in the midst of all calamities, for the saints of God, there's hope. <laughs> for God knows how he delivers his people. In every circumstance. You remember when he was plaguing the pharaohs, Egypt, he made a distinction between Goshen and the rest of Egypt that he made deliver his people. When Egypt death passed through the land, you know, it bypassed the children hiding under the blood. You know, God knows how he made attention. And we need to realize today, you know, that it's day of gloom and doom and doom. It's a terrible day we're living in. I mean to say, they're going to persecute us. They're going to put us in jail. They're going to outlaw us. I mean, it's going to be awful and it's going to get worse. Well, I'll read verse scripture for you. Second Kings 19 verse 6. Don't be afraid of the word you've heard. I love God's fear noise. Don't be afraid of the word you've heard. Hezekiah has been besieged by the king of Assyria. The army was massive, they blocked the city, there was no one in and out, and they were starving in the sea. And the people were on the walls waiting to see what was going to happen. And the commander of the army came up and he crowded to them, you know, in their own tongue. And uh, the Christians said, hey, Don't talk to their own tongue, talk to them in here. No, I said, We're well, not here to talk to you, we want them here. And the message to the people was, don't let Hezekiah fool you. No God has been able to deliver us in all Samaria. And there are half a dozen nations and half a dozen gods that failed to deliver them. And the message to Hezekiah was, why should you have confidence that your God can deliver you? <laughs> Is your God any better than other gods? That was the claim. You've been there? <laughs> you know, people challenging your faith? Well, you don't believe that stuff these days, do you? Mean? I mean, you say, that's dinosaur talk. That's irreverent today. That's a myth. That's a problem. Our children today are being taught as a myth. They're not taught creation anymore. They're not taught the Sunday school. You know, you're into your fifth generation without Sunday schools. 
Lamentations in Jeremiah says, Your children have been taken captive. It's very true, they're swallowed up in the world. People say, You know, well, why are you? Why do you put your faith in that? Well, let me tell you first of all, first of all, your faith is not really fairy. Your faith is in fact. In fact, Jesus lived. <laughs> and it's a fact more substantiated and validated than many of the other Hebrews' history. Jesus lived. It's a fact that he died most of fact. And it's a fact that he lives. And rose again. So your faith is not in the airy fairy things. It's in facts. And you should strengthen yourself in that. So Hezekiah gets this challenge. You know, why have confidence in your God? You know? Probably the same thing in Corinthians, you know. Lean not to the philosophies of the world. You know? Many do. You know? We came to the age when they said, well, science, you know, is the answer. But, you know, this is the enlightenment. We don't need the gospel anymore. That's the opium of people. And it failed. <laughs> the gospel still stands. People today are still being transformed by the power of the gospel. So what does Zechariah do? Yeah. Well, the first thing he does, <laughs> he takes the letter and he throws it out before the Lord. That's the best place to take your challenges. Where was challenging? <laughs> Where the bad news coming to the first place? Look unto him. Lift up your head. And look unto him. And you've got the word from the prophet. Fear not the words you've heard. For I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And not an arrow will be shot in Jerusalem. And I'll send it back. <laughs> his own land. With tears in his leg. God is a deliverer. Always has been, always will be. Doesn't forsake you. And the lamentations, you know, it's 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 a woe, woe, woe's me. And the problem is, it's very much like today. He's woe the state of Jerusalem, which uh, really we're talking about the state of the church. And the first thing it is, you know, it says she's no longer great. I was just reading about the thirty thousand and the fifty thousand that gathered the canvas line. <laughs> For communion. Yeah. Those were the great days. There was a time when the, the assembly of the Church of Scotland was a big thing. It kind of guided the land and the nation. People waited, you know, for what was going to debate, what was going to be the resolutions. Yeah. In the 50s or the 60s, I'm from age. <laughs> when the General Assembly was done, before four or five pages in the Glasgow Herald. Now you're doing what's all in it. The church is no longer great. It's now a marginalised minority group. It's an overshadowed church. Yeah? Now that we're overshadowed, for simple reason, we sat back and handed over to welfare in the 60s when everybody was saying everybody's doing it and license and liberty is growing the church didn't stand up saying no <laughs> everybody's not doing it yeah. and the big Jesus tells the end time ministers <laughs> I never knew you 
I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. You know, I was sick, you didn't visit me. I'm prisoner. Yeah. And we gave all those activities over the welfare state. He said, well, that's alright, that's not us. Yeah. And the church, they were overshadowed. He says he'd been scattered in the nations. Lost in the world. Yeah. Well, it's 15, uh, or at least two decades, of seeker-friendly philosophies. Let's show the world that we're not different. <laughs> Let's show them we're quite normal. You know, well, the reality is we're not normal. The Bible says we're a queer people. <laughs> a peculiar people. You know. We are different. We're aliens in the world. And as long as we try to be the right world, we still have heritage. And we erode our distinction. We're not meant to blend in, <laughs> we're meant to stand out. There's a light on the hill. God says in Ezekiel to the priests of God, you know, you haven't filled in or repaired the gaps in the walls. A couple of years ago, the slogan in the church was called, then there was church without walls. Now, you know, what the one meant by that was, let's go out of our ghettos and enter the marketplace. Let's go out of our wee holy huddles and enter the marketplace. Looking back, the reality is that the church without walls has become a church with no distinction. When men see your good works, when men take note of the name of Jesus, there has to be a distinction. That's the witness of We have to rebuild the walls, scatter the nations. Anyway, there's hope. <laughs> When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a church. When Jesus comes back, the church will still be here. No matter what the LGBs and Stronghurst and the rest of them say, the church will survive. Because Christ is the head of the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. We'll be still standing. John 14:1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> if you have trouble. <laughs> Let know your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. We need to lift up our heads as the people of God. Stop living in marginalized defeat. We are not what the world's view of us is. We are what God's view of us. We're not defeated. We're victorious. We're not lost. We're found. We need to lift up our heads. Fear not the land use. And look at the God. For time and time again, God has proven He's the victor. And in Mordecai's day, he got the bad news. The bad news was, you know, as we said, when the Jews have been annihilated and they're free part of the land, you rob you, kill you, spoil you, plunder you, you know, by the kind of people. Fear not bad news. So Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Esther, for such a time as this, <laughs> you're going to kingdom. That's a wee footnote, a wee parenthesis. Now, even if you don't deliver us, <laughs> you don't do it. Go to somebody else. And you're here for this time. 
You're the lighting on. You're the leaven. You're the lump. I'm quite used to being called the lump, you know. But we're here to have effect. And God turned around. It's called the Feast of Purim. God turned the situation. And the victimized Jew became the victor Jew. And God delivers. Lazarus, I mean, he can bad news. <laughs> he can, the ultimate, you're dead. Not only you're dead, but you've been dead for four days. That's a whole situation in there. But Jesus came. I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forth. Come, there's never a situation beyond God able to deliver David King David was in had enlisted to fight with the Philistines against Israel or Samaria and the Philistines said oh no we can't have this you know I mean once we're in the thick of the battle he's going to turn to us so they sent home and his army they went home but when they go back to their village they found they'd been raided their children have been taken captive, their wives have been taken captive, their houses have been plundered, and they've been stripped of everything. Bad news. These men were angry, they were ready to stone them. What did I say? David encouraged himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. That's the only place he can turn to in trouble or fear or circumstances. For he is the deliverer. What shall I do, Lord? Shall I chase them? You must say, yeah, chase them, and I'll give them into your hand. God is still on the road. He's our deliverer. No matter your circumstances, people say, how are you doing? No, I'm not bad. Under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under them? Get over them. And become an overcomer. That's what God's intended, eh? Jesus is a strong deliverer. You can trust in him, but he's the head of the church. He's prevailed over you. He intercedes for you. You know what that means? He ever liveth to make intercession for you now. That means when I go in my prayer and my wee petitions, Lord, help me. Jesus is interceding. Help him. What an intercessor you have. A great high priest. Trust him, he's the head of the church. He says to his disciples in the boat, in the midst of the storm, you know, you know, they're in this boat, and there's a storm, and Jesus is sleeping, having a nap. That is security. Right? In the midst of the storm, having a nap. <laughs> there was a, a competition one on, uh, an app competition, and, and the subject was peace. So you put a, a, a portrait or a painting, Describing peace. And the one that won it was a painting of a wee mouse <laughs> sitting in a cleft of a wall in the Swiss store. Why are you fearful? And I'll tell you the one because it left Jesus asleep. Half the troubles we bring on ourselves is because we lead Jesus out to the last minute. 
we try plan B, plan C, you know, we fly everything. And this last minute desperation, help! Okay, Jesus. We need to to shout to Jesus first. Give it to him. Why are you fearful? Oh, ye of the faith. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus, you know what God said? You are a peculiar trailer. You are the apple of his eye. You are exempt species. I mean, you say, if I come on, you'll be patting yourself about them and I. You didn't realize you're so valuable. You are much more valuable than many flowers. The hairs in your head are numbered. Huh? You've got an easier job with some of the eye, you know. <laughs> he knows your friend. He knows you well. He will not forsake you. He will not forsake you in the same. So in the time of trouble, Psalm 75, in the time he will hide me in his pavilion. He shall not be afraid of your tidings, for his heart is fixed on the Lord. The name of the Lord is strong to her. The righteous run into it, and the seed. No matter you see here, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's at work in you. Strengthen you and deliver you. Greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. So you need to face here. I said he came to say, <laughs> Hush. Hush. Your problem is you don't know our God. Our God is not an idol. Our God is a living God. Our God is not dead. There's hands that cannot move and feet that cannot move and ears that don't hear and eyes. Our God is a living God. Who delivers us? You just haven't come up against God yet. It's there. Near the laws of songs. So what are we going to do when trouble comes? And bad news comes. And circumstances are like out of the blue. I'm thrilled with our, our prayer chain. You know, you get these prayer texts. The wonderful thing about them, you get as many, many texts say, praise the Lord for the answer. As you get texts and pray, Because God is a good God. You know. You sing that word there. That's all the movement they used to sing. We shall overcome. Civil rights. We shall overcome. You know? That needs to be a anthem. We shall overcome. God, Jesus says, you know, when trouble comes, overcome. For I have overcome the devil. I have overcome the flesh. I have overcome the world. So shall he be overcome us. Romans 12 said, Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good. Huh? When you be evil, turn it to good. Yeah? Joseph said to his brothers, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. When we turn good to our enemies, we pour coal upon the head. No. I tell you, we stifle them. You're not supposed to love your enemies. You're supposed to help. Yeah? 
We're not used to being loved. Yeah. Overcome evil with good. Overcome the wicked one. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour. You know? That's his resist. Wisdom. That's something we say, be gone. Be gone. I'm under new management. Be gone. You have no authority here. Be gone. I am his. And he is mine. Resist him when he flee. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. But this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Faith is something I believe what God says. Faith is something putting my trust in what God says. You have said, Lord, I believe, trust. And he keeps his word. And then said, God has made a covenant and sworn in an oath to keep his covenant and watch over his word. The magic word is, Lord, you said. You said, Lord. And God watches over his word to perform it. Who is he that overcomes? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now the wonderful thing is the same Spirit working you. All the promises in the book are made. Every promise has been better be laid. You preach regularly at the Badland Market, and one of the lads on the team is a post office worker. And he used to astound the crowd. He said, I'm only a postman, but I'm living on 32,000 a year. Never even picked up I said, I'm making a joke in the post office. <laughs> he said, there are 32,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know if he counted them, but it's good that you live by, isn't it? Right? God has said, God will do. Let me give you an incentive to overcome. In Revelation, Jesus says, He that overcomes, I will give to eat unto your life. I'll get back to the next one. I'm going to tell you how that. Because I'm just a wane. Because I'm going to live forever. You know? I'm going to live And feed in the tree of life. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of letting death. Fear not him who can destroy the body. But rather, for him who is master of this death. To him that overcomes, I will give power to the nation. You know? You know, the Bible exhortations are not something I'll buck up and buck up. You know, when God is being not afraid, it's the flat resource. <laughs> he gives you the power. Just men deceive them, then he gives you the power and the authority to be children of God. You're never alone. I will not take you. Not man be. He who overcomes, how will I confess? Oh, my father and his angels. You deny me before me, I'll deny you before the father. It's important that we take our stance. Here's the next one. He that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. You know, one day you're going to be a ruler. We're going to rule the human nations. He who overcomes will inherit all things. Praise the Lord, eh? I've got an inheritance. My son 
half joking here there, this is always counting if I'm a silver. How much are you going to leave me, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I said, you're not getting in, we're going to spend it and enjoy it. <laughs> I was thinking that the Alan's been there, I said, you know, you've heard of Johnny Cash, well, I'm Johnny Skin. I have an inheritance laid up, an incorruptible inheritance. Right? You don't need to give anybody poor opportunity because you can't get rid of it. It's mine. To him that overcomes, I will be his God. And she'll be my son. Hallelujah. Bring on us here. My gospel. My gospel. So I feel a lot of bad news. When the bad news comes, call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. He's a master at bringing good or bad. He's a master at redeeming the situation. He's the master of turning things around and astonishing you. Every circumstance, every adversity, as an opportunity for God to show his glory. The first house should be, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get rid of this one. <laughs> but when you do, I'm going to rejoice. Because it will show your wonder and your glory and your might and your power. So fear not. No matter the news, God is still on the throne. And greater is he in us than he is in the world. We will still be here. And LGBs are gone. We will still be here. When Jesus stands on the door. And all the nations coming back. And being tragic. And very far. And we will rejoice with them. And share his glory. It's God's desire. God's good pleasure. To give you the kingdom. And his desire is to show his glory in you. So how do we show God's glory? By allowing him to make you a spectacle. I was a, a boy, Dan and I were not long married, and I was a young lad working in an energy work in Glasgow. And there was a situation that came... And I can't remember saying he's was, but I said to this chap, he says, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, just pray. Well, just pray. Thirty years later, he came into work in the company I was running. And he says, hey, he says, do you still believe in prayer? I said, yes. And he's still answering and delivering. That's from the Lord. And don't despair. What is it? Trust the Lord, don't spare. He's a friend. He's a friend. No matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. Sing, well, it is day. Think through the darkest night. Sing, sing, sing. You're not going to sing, sing, just sing. Don't fear bad news. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The church may be marginalized in the nation, but it's huge in the world. And 
and he will quicken the church in this good time. So rejoice, stand firm, praise his name.